These are troubling times. Globally, COVID-19 has claimed the lives of about half a million people, and there's no cure to the virus in sight. And then when I focus down to the national level, I'm even more troubled. Over 200,000 abortions are carried out each year in England and Wales. And that's not counting the figures for Scotland. And this is wicked. Probably one of the greatest evils we've witnessed. And then throw into the mix the terrible scenes of racism and violence highlighted by the wicked killing of George Floyd. And we're facing some of the most disturbing and worrying situations in generations, whoever we are. It's troubling, deeply troubling. And it was the same for Habakkuk as he looked at what was going on in his country at that time. He lived in Jerusalem during the days of a king called Jehoiakim. Just a few years before, the country had known prosperity and peace under the reign of Josiah. People followed God's law and society flourished. But that had all changed. Jehoiakim followed other gods. And as happens, moral and spiritual decline followed soon after. Just look at some of the words Habakkuk uses to describe the scene in verses 2 to 4 of the first chapter of his prophecy. There's violence, injustice, destruction, strife, conflict. Justice is perverted. The wicked are crushing those more vulnerable than themselves. And the stench of hypocrisy fills his nostrils. So little wonder, he raises his voice to God and he complains there in verse one. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. This is if he's saying, Lord, I've been praying about this for so long now, but there's no change. Things are just getting worse and you're not answering. It almost seems that you don't care. Have you ever said stuff like that to God? As you travel through the pain of ill health or mental health or family discord and tension or worries about employment and finance. As you struggle with loneliness or bereavement and the despair of ever getting an answer to your prayers. Well, maybe you can understand something of what Habakkuk is expressing. Maybe you get the audacious complaint he makes to God there in verse two. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. And if we're honest, we've all been there. We've all faced situations that have troubled and perplexed us. We've all cried out to God, wondering why he seems to be doing nothing. And if you've got the book of Habakkuk open in front of you, and let's face it, it's not the easiest book to find, you'll notice that this first complaint from Habakkuk is followed by an answer from the Lord. And this is where the headings put in our Bibles by the translators come in as useful. And we'll see the Lord's answer is contained in verses 5 to 11. And what emerges here is that God declares he is at work. He's not indifferent to the sins of Judah. He is doing something about it. 
but it's not in the way that Habakkuk for one moment imagined. God says there in verse 6, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. We really don't get the sheer force or terrifying shock of this. The Babylonians were the most feared people imaginable. They were a military juggernaut that crushed everything and everyone before them. They carried out the most horrific barbarities. They broke the Geneva Convention every way, even before breakfast. If you want to get an idea of them, just see how they're described in verses 7 to 11. We haven't time to read the passage, but just skim over some of the words that jump out. Feared and dreaded, a swift, fierce cavalry, like a devouring eagle, advancing like a desert wind, capturing fortified cities, sweeping past guilty people. So by the time God has finished telling Habakkuk how he's going to deal with the situation, Habakkuk is dumbfounded. It's not God's seeming indifference he's complaining about now. It's God's staggering inconsistency. How could God do such a thing? How could he use such people? The problem, you see, has moved from sociology to theology. Habakkuk's no longer looking at scenes of injustice that face him in his own country. He's looking at apparent contradictions in the character of God. And that for him is a far bigger problem. He sums it up uh, there in verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? He's sort of saying, God, I knew we've got some problems in Judea, Judah, but it, it looks as if the cure is worse than the disease. It just doesn't make sense. The foundations I've built my life upon seem to be shaking to bits. And maybe that resonates with you. It's the type of thing you wouldn't readily admit. You don't share those feelings with others. But your problem is not so much COVID-19 and the other disasters we see around our world and in our nation. Your problem is with God. He's silent. He's hidden away. He doesn't seem to be in charge. He doesn't seem to be answering when you're crying out for an answer and you're not sure how much longer you can hold on. Well, can I ask that you hold on to see how this book continues? Having noted how Habakkuk is protesting in chapter one, in future weeks we'll go on to see how he begins processing the information and then proclaiming his faith. So what lessons are we to take from this chapter before we close? It all seems so bleak and desperate. And yet even here, there are pinpricks of light breaking through. The first lesson is this. Lament honestly. Lament honestly. Now, we don't often use that word in our vocabulary, let alone our Christian experience, but it's right there repeatedly throughout the Bible. 
To lament is to pour out our deepest pain and heartache. It's to give voice to the complaints that are bubbling away. It's to be honest and face up to things as they really are. It's to be brave enough to question the fake triumphalism that pervades superficial Christianity. It's to ask the question with Habakkuk, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? It's to say with King David in Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's to echo the sons of Korah in Psalm 44. They say, awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. It's to cry out with Moses in Psalm 90. He says, relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. These are words of honest lament and they're found in the Bible. God has them recorded for us. He didn't obliterate those who uttered such seemingly audacious thoughts and he invites you to such honesty. This is so much more than just some sort of modern therapy where you let it all out and you pummel the cushions on your sofa and you issue a primal scream. No, this is facing reality in a mature way, understanding and articulating your questions and bringing them before the only one who can deal with them. So lament honestly. But then secondly, remember carefully, remember carefully, because this is what Habakkuk did. He deliberately brought to mind truths about God, things he knew were true. Have a look at verse 12. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. And in the midst of all his confusion and pain, he fell back upon three truths. The first is this, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Have a look at verse 12 again. Do you notice how that word Lord is spelt? It's with capital letters. It shows that the original Hebrew is using the covenant keeping name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah. And that promise-keeping name is used twice in that verse, underlining that Habakkuk has his eye on the truth that God remains true to all his promises. Right from the beginning of time, there's not been a single promise of God that he's failed to keep. And he hasn't suddenly lost his power or his interest. He's the powerful, all-reliable and trustworthy ruler of his people. Yes, God keeps his promise. The second truth that he brings to mind is this, God saves his people, God saves his people. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. Actually, the Hebrew manuscripts all say, we will never die. But the translators here have unhelpfully gone with a, a later rabbinic tradition, you will never die. But actually there's no support for this in Hebrew manuscripts or in the Greek translation name known as the Septuagint. It's rather, my God, my Holy One, we will never die. And this makes entire sense when we see that Habakkuk is holding on to the fact that God's promises to his people are lastingly trustworthy. 
He saves all his people. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, as Paul was later to declare. We are safe and secure in the saving relationship that we've been brought into through Christ. Whatever is happening on the outside, whatever disasters come to you, whatever sins and failings you have, God will save all his true children. That's why Habakkuk was twice able to speak of that personal relationship. My God, my Holy One. And for us who live in these days, we're able to look back and rejoice in the fact that the crosswork of Jesus Christ and his resurrection life has brought us into a secure and a lasting and a personal relationship with him that nothing can destroy or take away. As we'll sing later, those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Yes, God saves his people. But the third truth Habakkuk brought to mind was this. God fulfills his plans. He wrote, you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Now, Habakkuk doesn't understand how or why God could do such a thing, but he does acknowledge that, that God is in charge and that he's working out his purposes, that he's in control. And here's the baseline that keeps the prophet sane. God rules. He's in charge. It's not down to fallen human will or fallible human wisdom. The Babylonians are under his ultimate control, as is COVID-19 and the other powers that seem to us so strong and invincible. God fulfills his plans. So lament honestly, remember carefully, and thirdly and finally, wait expectantly. Wait expectantly. What's Habakkuk's next step? What's he going to do in the light of all the pain he's going through and all the questions he has to ask? Well, it's there in the first verse of chapter two. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. <laughs> I love this. It's as if Habakkuk is positioning himself not only to see the advance of the Babylonians against the walls of his beloved Jerusalem, but even more importantly, he's ready to hear what God has to say. In fact, he expects it. And more than that, he's ready to be corrected by God. Let me explain. When it says, and what answer I am to give to this complaint, it can also legitimately be translated as, I will look to see what he will say to me and the correction that I am going to receive. See, here's a humble man. He's full of questions and even complaints, but he recognizes that he might have got it wrong and that God's perspective will throw a new correcting light over all his assumptions. So, can I encourage you to wait as you lament over the situations you see and are living through? Can I encourage you to keep reading the Bible? 
for the Holy Spirit can take God's living word and start shifting your perspective. And can I encourage you to be ready to repent and change where you may have got it wrong? Have a soft heart as well as a clear head. You see, at this moment in time, we can't see the whole picture. We can't see how things will work out. We can't understand how a loving, sovereign God will weave together the dark colours in the tapestry of our lives and make them into a thing of beauty that glorifies him. So we wait expectantly. Let's pray. Father, help us to be like Habakkuk. We thank you for his honesty. We thank you that he's expressing the pain that he's going through. And Lord God, so many of us listening to this, we, we can really relate to that. For sovereign God, there are times when you're silent and we don't know what you're doing or why you're doing what you're doing. And it feels audacious at times, it feels really wrong even to say those things out loud. And yet that is the experience of our lives. And like Habakkuk, we want to be those who lament, who speak out these truths in deep sorrow and sadness. Father, help us to hang on to what we do know when it seems the foundations are shifting. Help us to hang on to the truths concerning all that you are doing, all that you have done, all that you will do. And thank you that this side of Calvary, we're able to rejoice in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and see and understand more deeply what he has done for sinners like us. And help us to wait patiently. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who struggle at this time, draw so close to them. Father, thank you that you will hold them fast. Receive our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.